Hey, chaps. So I've had a great <clears throat> morning traipsing around uh, Ohio, visiting the shrine of Harambe, which is Jungle Jim's grocery store, for those of you who are out of the loop. Harambe has a special place in my heart. He was martyred a couple weeks before I got to the United States. So quite the, quite the African connection there. But it was a great thing. <clears throat> Ohio still haven't ended their mask mandate. They are pushing into this whole thing of if you have the, then you can take your mask off. So it's just super hilarious watching all these libs with their, uh, their signaling, their, um, how to signal their virtue, their faith in their belief system. You know, for so long, the mask has been their red MAGA hat. And now that they're getting the, they don't have to wear their mask anymore. And it's like, but the people who don't wear masks are the bad guys, which means if I wear a mask, I'm a bad, if I don't wear a mask, I'm a bad guy. So it's just hilarious, you know, this thing now of like me walking around this giant grocery store with my wife and we were like the only two people without a mask. Uh, eventually we saw like one or two other people, but you know, the hundreds of people in there all wearing masks. Rob, the mask is a progressive profession of faith. Yep, full on. And that's it, you know. So, so I'm walking around and I'm like, this used to be a dissident position. Now I'm like, please do not think that I have taken the wax. I have not taken the wax. So that's pretty funny. You know, this is just this reverse psychology game. But I, I enjoyed uh, what the one chap said on Twitter where he was saying how, um, you know, 5D chess uh, and how Operation Warp Speed to get the wax into, into production quicker uh, is a genocidal plan by Donald Trump to wipe out the libs. And it's like, you know, that's the only frame with which you could red pill a liberal um, on this whole uh, situation because their hatred for orange man bad uh, is equal to uh, their desire to profess faith uh, through the signaling of wearing a mask and getting the wax. You know, so if you had to, to say to them, you know, if, they, if they're willing to, to converse on this of like, hey man, I, I think, you know, Drumpf, that bloody Drumpf, Bigot, you know, you know, we both hate Trump, yeah, right? Oh yeah, we hate Trump. Orange man, bad. And then you'd be like, I think he's got a plan to bloody kill all of us. He's trying to inject us with stuff to kill us. The orange man, bad. You know, and I, I think the brainwaves would. I don't think it'd be able to compute. But that's the only way you can enter dialogue with him is to find that common ground of orange man, bad, and then frame it in that way. We have to learn this fine game of frame. So anyway, it was a whole lot of fun this morning, just thinking on all of that. Um, so chaps today, ask me anything, any topics you want to discuss, any questions, uh, any things you guys have been finding interesting. Um, and so while you peck away at the keyboards, um, I just wanted to chat. My wife and I were reading a book and the guy was talking about how, uh, you must bless what you want. You must, um, be grateful for and appreciate and affirm that what you want in other people. Because if you demonize other people or are jealous or resentful of other people who are uh, where you want to be, you know, for instance, I, I, I titled the video Blessing Your Superiors. So whether that's in your domain, the men who are superior 
who are further down the line of success of achievement in your domain. If you resent them, if you're uh, bitter at them or angry at them or jealous or envious of them, you will ascribe bad motive to them. You will ascribe bad morals uh, to them. And subconsciously, you're putting yourself in a frame that if I want to remain a good person, which majority of us, we're like, we want to be a good guy. We want to be what we think is a moral good person. And so if you ascribe bad morality to the people who are where you want to be, you are subconsciously going to sabotage yourself to never become that which you resent, that which you abhor, that which you condemn. And so the guy was saying in his book, he's like, anyone who you admire or he's like, that's a better way. Anyone who, who you want to be like, you should understand admiration, admire, admire their testimony, admire their story, admire their uh, achievement. And that way, subconsciously, you will start, your, your subconscious will have no problem moving into that position because you know that you were grateful. You had admiration. You blessed that which you wanted to, to pursue and achieve. And I just thought that was so important for us. You know, it's, it's really such a psyop in our life where it's, you know, we, we, we tear down great men. We criticize great men. We resent great men. We ascribe bad motive to great men. And instead, you know, we, we should be in a place of admiration, of respect, of blessing. Rob, the great state of Tennessee's governor just signed a bill that bans transmission treatment for youths. I believe you meant transmission, transmission. That's great. Based. Praise God for Tennessee. So, yeah, you know, I, I think this thing of, of us understanding going into our domains, one of the biggest problems we have is competition with other men. You know, so, so number one, resentment of more successful men. And number two, competition with other men who are in your position or lesser. And we, we fight and we compete and we, we have a lack of space, a lack of room mentality, you know, a, a scarcity mentality. When, when God clearly says in Proverbs, a man's gift makes room for him and brings him before great men. So your gift, you're never going to have to, um, you're never going to miss out. You know, the market is saturated for your gift. It's like, no, no, no. Like, you're, you aren't giving your gift enough. Enough people, uh, there, there aren't enough people uh, who have seen your gift yet, who have experienced and received your gift yet. And so just to encourage you guys, start blessing men, start admiring men, respecting men who are further down the track in your domain that, that you think you are heading towards. Bless them. You know, there's no, oh, they're a success, so I can't be, or they're a success, so they've taken all the space uh, for me to be there. And it's like, no, 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 it's quite the opposite. You know, they're paving a way for you to be even more successful. A rising tide lifts all ships. So that's just a, a really cool thing for us of, of even if you, you feel like you're competing with other guys for the same position or the same uh, hierarchy or the same audience or whatever, you blessing them allows God to bless you. You know, there's that thing in Matthew 18, that scripture in Matthew 18, where God says, unless you forgive others, your heavenly father cannot forgive you. And I apply that to blessing. Unless you bless others, how can you expect God to bless you? And you know, whether that's theologically correct or not, it's a, it's a, it's a useful tool to, in, in your dealings with other people. You know, so often if we think we, if we bless our enemies, like, oh, that's, that's counterproductive. Like if we bless our enemies, then, then they're going to be one up on us. And it's like, 
God sees you in secret. Matthew 6, God sees you in secret and rewards you openly. You know, God sees you doing your good deeds. God sees you, your heart's intent. He sees you blessing men in secret. He sees you helping people who you might be competing with, helping people who might be, oh, now they're in a position of what happened. It's like, no, no, no. Like God is my provider, my promoter, my protector, my vindicator, and he will reward me openly. And I have full faith in that. You know, that's what chaps, we have to be men after God's heart. Like I'm a man after God's heart. I believe him at his word. I take him at his word. That's God's love language. When we take him at his word and his word says, I see you in secret. I will reward you openly. Bless others. I will bless you. Forgive others. I'll forgive you. You know, it's just a great, it's a really great thing to just free us from that competition anxiety, criticism, judgment of other people. And and even there, you know, especially David and Saul, David blessed Saul all the days of Saul's life. There were many times where David could have killed him. You know, he could have one-upped him. He could have set him back. He could have ridiculed him. And the whole time he took a posture of this is the Lord's anointed. God sees me in secret. He'll reward me openly. I'm just going to carry on and, and bless my enemy. Bless my superior, who may be an absolute jerk douche. And um, that was a man after God's heart. You know, so for a lot of us, we may have a lot of souls in our life who who persecute us or, or, or challenge us or put obstacles or just insane people in our life. And so I think for us just to get into that position of, of having in our understanding, not my zoo, not my monkeys, you know, especially when it comes to, to the hierarchies that you're in. If you're in a hierarchy and the guy above you is a soul, just an absolute insane, uh, you know, jerk of a dude, it's like not my hierarchy. Like I'm not going to fight this guy for his position. I'm not going to, you know, in fact, I'm going to bless him. And a lot of guys are like, oh, but what if you get trapped in that hierarchy? And it's like, no, no, no. God sees me in secret and he will reward me. God will reward me uh, for me blessing my enemies. So that's a really, a really uh, practical thing for us in our daily lives. And, and that, again, is not to be like, oh, I'm being abused. That means I must just bless my abuser. It's like, no, no, put up boundaries. What I'm saying is this bitterness in your heart, grievance in your heart, murder in your heart. We don't have, you know. David didn't stay in Saul's hierarchy. He didn't stay in Saul's palace. He didn't stay in Saul's army. He left. He didn't allow Saul to bully him. He left. He didn't allow Saul uh, to control his life. He left. So, so you have boundaries. You don't let people into your camp who do not respect you. But you don't have murder in your heart. You don't keep resentment in your heart. You don't keep uh, competition and jealousy in your heart. You release that and you bless. And then, you, you know, like, I bless you but I won't have anything to do with you. It's a lot better than I resent you. I hate you. I have murder in my heart and I don't want anything to do with you. Well, often it's like, and I'm going to now be a thorn in your flesh and join your hierarchy and not leave you. Rob, iron sharpens iron. Competition with your peers is healthy. Build your men up. Never tear them down. That is the woman's way. Yeah. You know, that's it. It's, we can have healthy, we can have healthy competition where we push each other with a positive vision, with strength. You know, you see another strong, that's it. You see another strong guy and you're like, I want to get in the gym. You see another wealthy guy and you're like, I want to get my business going. You know, you see another powerful guy. You're like, I want to become a man of influence. You know, it let admiration well up in you and not resentment. That's how we, we, we push each other to greatness, you know? And that's when you can compliment another guy and be like, man, I respect what you have done. Um, I'd like to be friends with you. And that's it. You know, the whole thing of, of being the average of the, the guys you spend the most time with, you know, average, 
health, average wealth, average honor of the guys you spend time with. So it's like, I want to be friendly. I want to be in relationship with guys who are superior to me because they're going to pull me up. Rising tide lifts all ships. Andrew Graves, brother, welcome. Good stuff. Uh, complaining is a no-go for the Christian. New Testament lays out the template for handling serious conflict. Yeah, complaining is the victim's frame. Complaining, complaining is a feminine strategy to get men to do something. Complain, complain, complain. Guys like, okay, fine, let me go sort it out. So when we complain, we are falling into the victim or the feminine uh, frame. And we're, 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 without knowing this, we're asking superior men. We're complaining so that superior men will come and sort out our issues. You know exactly that, man. It's, it's for a Christian man who we are sons of God. We are the kings that Jesus is king of. It's like we sort out stuff. And then, like you say, the New Testament lays out the template of like, go to a man one-on-one. Go to a man with uh, uh, an arbitrator or a witness. Uh, you know, there's there's ways of dealing with disagreements. And and then beyond that, it's David and Saul of separate, go, you know, uh, Abraham and Lot. I bless you, but we, we can't do business together anymore. You choose which way you'll go. I'll go the other way and God will bless me still. And God will bless you. And I bless you from afar. If you ever need help, shout. But I'm not going to be under your uh, hierarchy. I'm not going to be under your control. So that's really good. So with that as well, so so God sees you in secret. That's why David could do what he does. Like God sees me. If God sees me. He will reward me for my magnanimity, for my blessing of my enemies. Second thing is contributing your gift as unto the Lord. You know, so again, David is the, the overlooked brother, the, the least brother of, of all the, his eight brothers. And he's on the backside of the desert playing shepherd boy. When all his other brothers are having, you know, polite society parties and hobnobbing with, uh, yeah, all the, the, the known people and they're out at war, uh, you know, getting honor and in the army and all this stuff. And there's David forgotten. And in fact, the other way, fear of missing out. And so even there, he didn't resent his brothers. He didn't resent his dad. He, he didn't have hatred in his heart. It's like, all right, Lord, you see me in secret. I work this not as unto my brothers. Not as unto my father, I work this as unto you. And that's what we've got to see. This we've got to have this mindset. You know, it's it's a lot of guys would call this pride, be a king. I am God's man. I am God's top guy. And this little backside of the desert, well, God has me here for a reason. I'm gonna be a king here. These little sheep, I'm gonna be a king here. And that's where you get into this place of like, I contribute my gift as unto the Lord. A lot of guys would be like, Backside of the desert, screw this. I hate this. I hate my dad. I hate my brothers. I hate sheep. I'm out of here. Or I'm I'm doing this half-heartedly because I'm just waiting to get to the battle. And it's like, no, no, no. Do it as unto the Lord. Give your gift as unto the Lord. And God sees you in secret and he will reward you openly. And then another thing with that is not folding. You know, a lot of us fold to propaganda, to to demoralization frame demoralization vision right just spew insane right doesn't have to be true often it's not and we fold right we fold at bad news we fold at outrage we fold at upset people we fold and it's like chaps you've got to encourage yourself in the lord and that's where you know this thing with david like there was, he comes back and his city's been sacked and all the women and children have been taken and his men want to desert him. And it's like, he could have folded or he could have complained. 
It's like, no, 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 encourage yourself in the Lord. Why? Because God sees me in secret, even in my crap, even in my defeats, even when I feel like I'm the last, I'm the last guy, you know, Elijah style of like in a cave alone, like, oh God. And it's like, no, 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 encourage yourself in the Lord. There's 7,000 other men. Get back out there. Work as unto the Lord. Trust the Lord. So just to encourage you guys there, never fold to bad news. Never fold to upset journalists. Never fold to an upset woman. Never fold uh, to challenge or setback or adversary. We have to, we have to frame ourselves out. And it's okay to, it's okay to feel all the feelings, but immediately strengthen yourself in the Lord. You know, how do we do that? God, I cast this disappointment on you. God, I cast this fear on you. God, I cast this anger, resentment, murder on you. God, I cast this lust or covetousness or envy or, or uh, competition or jealousy on you. Whatever your feelings are, right? Take it all in. Lord, I, I put this at your feet. I cast this on you. And I know that you see me in secret. And so I strengthen myself in you. I'm a man after your own heart. I'm not going even to my own harm or humiliation. I'm not going to deviate from understanding that you are, are the one who blesses me. And so I don't know what's going on in the situation. I know I am blessed. I know I'm a king. I know I'm a son. And so I'm going to be, even in the desert, even in the prison, even in slavery, Joseph, right? I am God's man. I'm God's top guy. You've got to have that identity. You've got to have that mindset. It's like, oh, it's bloody pride, you prick. And it's like, no, no, no. I'm God's top guy. And that's why I don't fold. That's why I don't outrage and complain. It's like, I'm God's man. You guys have got to get that into your 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 everyday thinking. DJ Donnelly, welcome, brother. Got an interesting question. If a haunted building or place gets demolished, do the spirits still stay there or do they go elsewhere? And if they do, where do they go? Yeah, man. So it's really interesting with with the spiritual uh, realm, right? Where with the demonic. A lot of times, and I'm no I'm no expert on this. I'm I come from a charismatic Pentecostal background, so this is not. And I, I lived in Africa, right? Africa. A witch, uh, uh, a um, a witch doctor is like a pastor in South Africa. There's a witch doctor every hundred people, and the Zulus are very open to ancestral spirits and everything like that. Spiritual uh, spiritual manifestations are very real things, right? We're not to be afraid of them. So again, what is my authority? I am a king seated in heavenly places, right? I'm seated in heavenly places with Christ. That is my authority. I don't have to, I don't have to cry and fast and um, make sure I haven't watched porn or played computer games for seven days before I can. It's like, no, no, no. My authority is by the blood of Jesus, I am a king on earth and I, and I have authority on over earth. And so with, with a lot of times with spirits, our faith, you know, the other day I was chatting with, with someone and we were just talking about how uh, it's one of our little small groups at church. We're having lunch and she, she's a, a counselor. And one of the guys was saying, was telling her that he had made a pact with the devil as a teenager, right? He, he, had, he had sold his soul to the devil and made a pact with the devil and had been, you know, he's now since like 10, 20 years later, he's now given his life to Christ. And he was sitting in her office saying like, I don't know what to do with my, like I'm visited by stuff and, and voices and all this stuff. And, he, and so goes on to tell this lady about his pact with the devil. 
and so we were just chatting and, and she, you know, she led him through uh, basically his understanding of, of his authority in Christ and how Christ's blood has, has cut him clean. And he's renou- he renounces uh, his, uh, his pact with Satan. He renounces uh, his, his sin and his, his past commitments. And he is now a new creation. And the blood of Jesus is, is higher, is greater. And, and that's what we were chatting about. You know, we were like, we, if our own faith, if we believe that the devil is more powerful than Jesus, then we're going to be afraid of the demonic. We're going to be afraid of spirits. We're going to be afraid of witch doctors. Like, I don't even want to walk in the same room as a witch doctor because I'll get dirty. And it's like, no, 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 it's the other way around. When I walk into a room, witch doctors freaking freak out. When I say the word Jesus, the name Jesus, witch doctors freak the heck out. When I say I'm a Christian, I don't even have to say I'm a Christian. They can see. They can see the authority. And they're the ones who are afraid. They're petrified of Jesus. The, the, the demons are petrified of Jesus. They're petrified of us because we are, are God's image and we are kings that Jesus is king of. So we get into this place of like, you can, you can help people with a negative frame, right? A lot of people, majority of people, even unsaved people, non-Christian people, you can say to them, how powerful is a pact with the devil selling your soul to the devil? They'll be like, yeah, it's pretty powerful. Do you believe it does something? Yeah, yeah, I believe it does something. Like if, if you had to say right now, I, I sell my soul to the devil, they'd be like, oh yeah, I, I won't say that. So they believe, right? Faith is the key here. They believe. And so their belief opens them up to all this crap because that's what, that's what their faith is going for. Now, if you can tell someone that we are now making a pact with Christ, I'm selling my soul to Christ. I'm making a, I'm making an ir, uh, uh, I'm making a blood pact, a blood covenant with Christ. And it's like, how much more powerful is that, right? So a lot of guys are like, I'm so cursed. I'm so, so cursed that nothing can change how cursed I am. It's like, well, here I am now. I am so blessed that no demonic can come near my dwelling. No, nothing can trouble me. You know, like it's that whole thing. I used to be petrified, guys. Before I knew my authority in Christ, I used to be petrified. Like if we watched UFO stories or if we watched horror movies or if we heard testimonies about guys with demons, I would go to, to bed afraid because I'm like, well, what if one manifests in my bedroom? What if, you know, and fear, fear would come up inside me, right? I'd be afraid in the woods at night, right? Like, you know, to go, to go walking out in the woods at night, you know? Oh, Sasquatch. Oh, the, the demon wood witches and stuff. And I'd be, I'd be petrified. Whereas now it's like, you, again, chaps, you have to understand this. I am God's walking. I am God's man. I'm God's top guy. And from that place, sure, you can get demonic challenge, demonic attack against you, but nothing can touch you. Nothing can come near your dwelling. And so answering your, your question here, like if there are spirits of a building, here's now, here's now where it gets interesting with authority. Who owns that building? If I own that property, if I own that building, then I have authority over it. And I tell things to go and they go. I tell things to come and they come. I have authority over it. But if I don't own that building, then I have no authority there. You know, I'll go there and nothing will touch me, but I have no authority over that property. Who owns that property? You see, that's where things start getting really simple. It's like, I own, I own this house or, you know, for, for my wife and I, we have a rental agreement in this house. So I have, I have authority. I have jurisdiction over this place where I live. And so, so when you say that when a place gets demolished, you know, the Africans, if a man dies in a house, the whole family will move out and that house just stays a shell. So they believe the, the, the spirit stays there. That's what they believe, you know, and they're very well versed in the spiritual realm. 
But as Christians, we are not subject uh, to the prince of this air. We are subject to Christ. And we have, we have jurisdiction over, over what we own. So I hope that answers in a roundabout way. Uh, it's all about our authority and our faith. Do we have faith? Because if we waver, if we fold, you know, that's when we get afraid. That's when we, you know. So I just, I just want to encourage you guys again. It's, it's all about ownership, authority, command. You know, you, you have command over your property. Praise God. Another thing we can chat about there is the good news, right? I never understood the good news or the gospel. It's like, why do you guys keep talking about this? What's the good news? What's the gospel? It's like, when Christ says, go and preach good news to the poor, to the brokenhearted, to the captive, right? The captive could be captive of spirits, captive of their own flesh, their own fears, etc. Captive of other people, bad boundaries, etc. Abuse, slavery. The good news, you, you have to understand what that is. It's Jesus. His blood absolutely cleansing us from all grievance, from all sin nature. We are reconciled. Jesus is the second Adam. So the first Adam, who has complete domain, dominion over the garden, he, he loses faith, he folds, and he gives domain. He gives authority to Satan, right? And, and then Satan comes and possesses his building, his Eden, his garden. And the sin nature possesses our flesh, our body, our soul. Christ comes as the second Adam to redeem, to pay the debt, right? His blood redeems our sin nature, right? So we still have a sin habit. We still desire after the flesh, but our spirit is now one with Christ. And it's so it's our whole life now as Christians is us getting our spirit to dominate our soul and our flesh, getting our new identity. That's why I harp so much on, on King energy, on, on sonship, on understanding our identity, because every day chaps, every day we get up and our body, our flesh hungers after natural habitual sin, habitual selfish, selfishness. And that's where our spirit comes in and is like, no, we've got a higher vision, we've got a higher purpose, we've got a higher identity. And, and our spirit hungers after righteousness, hungers after just crushing as a king, as a son. And so that's where, where you know, this life as a Christian, a lot of guys like, you know, they'll do a sin habit and they'll be like, oh, I've blown it. And they just sink into condemnation and grievance and resentment. And that's where God says the good news is for those men. You've been forgiven. Like nothing you do can trump Christ's atonement, you know? And so we come back into this place of right standing of, yes, repent for, you know, the things we've done that are, are not pleasing to the Lord. But from that place, we're clean. You're clean, clean, clean. And it's like, all right, we've got to go hard, not folding to condemnation. Because that's how all these guys get you, right? You know, you look at, at all these conservative politicians, they fold like paper because you find one little wrong thing and you're like, ah, oh, you hypocrite, I found you. And they're like, oh God, I'm sorry. And they, they believe they are cursed. They believe they've been found out and now they deserve punishment. And it's like, brothers, we don't deserve punishment. We don't deserve to be cut out by God. We don't deserve to be 
You know, everyone's like, oh, of course, Scott, you bloody heathen. We deserve hellfire. It's like, I did. I did deserve hellfire. But now I'm a son. Now I'm a king. You know, and this thing is, is blasphemous, right? And it's like, but you can, you can go and believe that you are still worthy of punishment. And so you're going to attract punishment your whole life. You're going to attract, you know, if you put on a building, condemnation is a, is a word you apply to a bad building. We're, we're tearing this building down. So you go and put condemned on the building of your life. It's just going to get torn down. Everyone, everywhere is going to come and vandalize it. You know, you give, you're like, oh, please punish me. It's like, chaps, we have to understand the atoning blood, this scandalous grace, you know, this offense of the cross. And it's like, I am a clean man. I'm a free man. And, and you know, that's when guys are like, oh, so you're free to go and sin? You're free to go to the brothel? And it's like, that's what Paul said. It's like, everything's permissible, but it's not beneficial. You know, you're still going to blow your, your physical life out. Pigsty. He's still the son, even in the pigsty. You know, and that's where a lot of Christians get confused. They're like, oh, I'm in the pigsty often now. It's like, no, you're still a son. Go back home. Clean yourself up. Live your father's life. Like, do, do the family business. So, praise God. Praise God. Just trying to think if I had any tweet things to, to hit on today. Things got deep. Things got theological. Guys, I'm just an ADIQ Greg poster, so let's keep it. Let's keep it practical here. Um, I had a good uh, a good thought on on in group as well um, on tribal tribal lines. You know, I think a lot of us we have this fear um, of the priestly domain, right? We have to understand all this perfect theology, and we have to line up perfectly with whatever our our pastor or priest or or ministry's theology is. You know, and that's how we draw our tribal lines. Our in group is through theological agreement. And I would argue, you know, that there's a bunch of things theologically that are non-issues. They're personal. They're personal issues that we divide over in a church sense or in a tribal sense. You know, you look at you look at the real issues in life right now, you know, being patriarchy and dominion. It's like, who are the guys doing that? We're probably not going to agree uh, on cessationism or Pentecostalism or Arminianism or Calvinism. It's like, chaps, to be quite honest, those are very personal issues. Like you being an Arminianist Pentecostal and this guy being a Calvinist cessationist and every mix in between. It's like, chaps, like you worship the Lord in your own home with your own family. And yes, you'll find some churches that are, that are going to be closer to that for you. But that's not what you draw your life on. We draw our life on patriarchy, God's natural established order. And dominion, walking into our mandate as sons and kings. You know, that's what we want to want to draw our our belonging and, and in-group preference around. You know, so guys who are believe every little theological thing you believe, but are totally into feminism, totally into clown world, uh, you know, just assimilating with the culture. It's like, oh great, you all have a bunch of good theological agreement, but but you're destroying your tribe, you're destroying your your culture, you're not being effective, you know? And so you'll go in and you'll make friends of guys who are patriarchal and who are dominion, dominionist. And you'll go and do institutional warfare. You'll go and do cultural war. You know, you'll go in and, and take ground for the Lord. And guys will look at you and be like, oh, but he doesn't believe in the Holy Spirit or he doesn't believe in salvation by grace or, 
you know, pick your theological. He baptized his baby. It's like, guys, relax. We're fighting a war here. In peacetime, we can squibble over whether you should dunk a baby from its feet like Achilles or whether you should keep things dry to conserve water. Like, that's a peacetime debate. Peacetime ended a long time ago. We're at war. War debate is which institution are we taking down? What, uh, what men do we have at our disposal? How do we encourage those men? How do we resupply those men? How do we uh, strengthen those men? You don't strengthen a man by debating petty issues of theology. You strengthen him by telling him to go crash in his domain. You bless him by telling him he's free from condemnation because of what Jesus Christ has done. You tell him he's a king, he's not a slave. He's a son, he's not an orphan. You know, that's, that's blessing the men to go fight, blessing the men to go crush in their domain. Christian nationalism is not the church running the country. It's Christian men weaponizing their domains, weaponizing their institutions, uh, and being sanctified by the church, being blessed by the church, being encouraged by the church. Rob, everyone is an atheist until they clog the toilet in someone else's house. My man. Yeah, you know, we, we, we get to the place where where crap gets real. And then we start understanding, you know, who are all our little pretty ideals, you know, how well do they, do they withstand the clogged toilet in someone else's house? How well do they withstand uh, being fired or, or, or uh, doxxed? How well do they withstand uh, relational breakdowns? How well do they withstand poverty? How well do they withstand violence? Rob, find men you can share a foxhole with. There will be a time for small details under the shade of victory. Yeah. You know, that's it. It's it's the bus stop theology, you know. I love these Mormon guys. You know, what a bunch of, you know, would I want to be Mormon? No. Would I want to go on a two-year mission? No. I love these Amish guys. Would I want to wear uh, plain clothes and drive a buggy? Nah. You know, do I want to be Mormon? Nah. But I love these guys. You know, they're 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 patriarchal. They're dominionist. They are a bastion against clown world, you know? And, and right now it's like, we don't have much of that. We don't have much of that as, as little Protestant boys. And so you look at them and you go, can I learn from you? <laughs> Could we maybe be friends and you teach me how to shoot a gun? You know, by gun, I mean institutional weaponization. Mr. Fed's watching us. God bless you, Feds. God bless the Feds. A moment of prayer. Rob, Jesus, the Western, Desnat. Yep, exactly. You know, and that's it. We can respect, again, we can admire men who are further down the road than us, men who are superior to us in technology and social technology. We can admire them. We can bless them. We can respect and honor them because that's what we want. That's what we want to achieve. So we want to model them in, in our own style, in our, our own way. So that's super exciting. Yeah, and then another thing with that is, is priestly purity spiraling doesn't affect your domain. You know, so a lot of guys with, you know, you, you see these women who wish that their husband was more attuned to the Holy Spirit and was more like the pastor. And it's like, if your husband was like the pastor, he wouldn't be crushing and you wouldn't like him. In fact, you'd be repulsed by him. He'd be some soft dude who's 
you know, a second class priest, you know, because he can't do the, the, the things that a, a, an actual priest in his calling can do, you know? So you want to effeminize him so that he could be like the good man who you've told to worship is the, the paragon of society. And it's like, no, 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 your husband is the paragon of society. He is crushing in his field, in his domain, you know? And so it's, I think a huge thing there is again of, of ourselves taking off the priestly standards from men who are not priests, you know? Yes, we want to image Jesus. Yes, we want to do things to the glory of God. But stop expecting of men in other domains to be priests, to treat people as pastors, to treat people as, you know, Mr. Christian nice guy. It's like we need to, we need to lose that frame and learn to enjoy rough men, learn to enjoy hard men, learn to enjoy violent men. You know, you look at the, the 400 guys who show up around David, and it's like they were, were rough, hard, violent men who were the rejects of polite society. So praise God. Yeah. So something I wrote down here, I said, a priest mustn't lead a cultural war. We need warlords crushing their domains to the glory of God, weaponizing their domains, weaponizing their institutions to the glory of God. You know, because a lot of us, we expect of our priests to be our warlords. We expect of them to lead us into battle. We expect of them to, to take hits. You know, and a lot of, a lot of pastors, Man, if you look at the church, the role of the church is to sanctify the tribe. And so sanctification looks a lot different to, to kingship, to tribal chieftain, uh, confrontational boundary setting, boundary keeping. And so, yes, we should expect of them to come with us to the front lines. We should expect of them to bless us as we fight. But a, a lot of times we, we put so much expectation on these, these pastoral type men to lead us into battle when it's like, we don't need priests leading the culture war. We need warlords. We need soldiers. And that is found in, in the different domains. You know, you, a lot of guys, we, we look at how Muslims and Jews and, uh, you know, other groups who have high, high in-group preference, Chinese, the way they do nationalism, their faith nationalism, is they bless their men into the domains to go and take over the domains. And then those men are intensely loyal uh, to their faith. They're obedient to Jesus or whoever, whoever their faith is. But what we try to do as Protestants is try to build up a huge, big church infrastructure as an institution. And then we try to use that church institution to fight the other institutions on their turf. You know, the funniest one is like, is like media, right? You get these churches who like try to do you know, either entertainment media or news media as a church fighting the media on their own turf. And it's like, no, no, no. You want Christians who are excellent at media to build institutions as Christians, but in the media domain, free of the standards of church, free of the limitations of the church as an institution. That is how we, we crush. We have warlords in media. We have warlords in governance. We have warlords in economy. You know, it's just a, a really great thing to, to let go of is expecting our priests to lead us out into battle. You know, you want the priest to come and offer a sacrifice, pray over the men. Right, chaps, uh, tell you how, have a spiffing day today. Go and take one, uh, take one right up the middle. Let's uh, go and show these chaps whatnot. Everyone's like, hey, go hit, go hit their thing. And the priests, you know, just encouraging the dudes to go crush. And it's like, man, that's, that's what we want. You know, we want, we want priests to encourage us to go and crash in our domains. 
you know, and you look at that, it's such a, it's such a simple, it's not obvious, but it's a simple thing. Men who are crushing in their domains often avoid the church because they realize if they come into the church, they're either going to be asked to, to start leading the church institution or the church hierarchy, or the other men are afraid of them or intimidated by them and try and suppress them or kick them out or make them conform to a priestly standard and become a second rate priest rather than a first rate, whatever their domain is. So anyway, Rob, who wants to be in a fellowship with a war band of priests? Give me rough men of character and faith. Yeah. You know, and that's, and that's the priest that everyone likes is the priest who comes along with that rough band of men and doesn't scold them and condemn them, but sanctifies them and encourages them and prays for them. And, uh, you know, tells them how much the Lord loves them and that they're sons and they're kings. And it's like, yeah, we like this guy coming with us. We like the Padre, you know, and it's like, it's, it's really easy to be a, what's the word I'm looking for? A chaplain to fighting men by just loving them, by not expecting of them to be priests, but actually encouraging them to be soldiers who go out and fight with roughness and violence. And again, feds, I say this in a culturally in Minecraft Rob, how's the beef? Dude, we've been having uh, ground beef and eggs for breakfast. Delicious. Uh, today, I put some eye of round and some uh, osso buco, which is the leg bone with muscle, in the crock pot for about eight hours. And then we put that over rice. Delicious. So, yeah, I feel like I am gorging on meat, which is glorious. It's going to be interesting to see how... Um, just how energy and, and muscle mass changes. Cause obviously over the winter we, we didn't have much meat. Um, so we were eating primarily grains and uh, veg and whatnot. Whereas now we're going to be shifting to like a more metabolic keto -y fats and, and meat. So, and our own obviously garden veg and whatnot. Um, so I'm excited. You know, my wife's been learning a lot about ancestral eating, you know, and so she's very Germanic heritage. I'm very British heritage. You know, so the grains um, that were uh, native to our heritage, you know, we're going to try, obviously, like oats is 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 great for our heritage. Uh, but rice, it's like, okay, it's primarily an Asian thing, you know. So, so figuring out like how, um, you know, the Asians metabolically digest rice better than any of the other ethnicities. So that's a, a fascinating study that we're on right now. And so, but yeah, no, you know, European diet is primarily meat and fat and so it's like okay like let's let's see how that goes yeah test test is gonna rise you know i should take a test testosterone test i'm a bit nervous i'm like i could probably see myself being pretty low testosterone and being rather embarrassed um but hopefully the meme will carry me to 900 that's where it's gonna be at oh and then i went and uh, i went and bought a bunch of barley um is a bar oh malt a, a bunch of malt probably the same thing barley malt anyway um and uh gonna get get into home brewing so one of the things I, I read up about on beer and hops is that there was a psyop in the 1600s by some some prudish nuns to uh, get like an alcohol purity act and so they started uh in germany or wherever they were in europe holy roman empire they started uh mandating hops into beer and apparently that uh, really shoots your estrogen up. I mean, I could be corrected on that, but but basically it's quite a high estrogen endeavor. 
And again, my my Britishness thirsts after a good lager. So I'm going to try and brew my own uh, non-gay, uh, hopefully low estrogen <laughs> brew at some point. So we'll see how that uh, how that goes. Uh, get plenty of sun on your chest and boys. Definitely. It's been great. Um, you know, I, I don't think you realize how, and again, that's the whole psyop of, of sunscreen. You know, we haven't, uh, we haven't been wearing sunscreen. And so obviously when I start feel, feel like I'm burning, I'll, I'll phase out, I'll, I'll sit in the shade or come inside. But, um, we haven't, we haven't actually had any sunburn, uh, or like heavy, uh, inflammation or like pain at all. And it's been like, feel like I'm getting like a bronzed Greek or sweaty and stuff. So it's been really great. And, um, yeah, definitely, uh, definitely dropping the pence, if you know what I'm saying. So, you're all right, chaps. Have a bloody good night. And uh, we're all going to make it. There's a lot to be thankful for. There's a lot to, to be hopeful for. Don't fold to the journalists. Block them. Ridicule them. Mock them. Laugh at them. Bully them. You know, Satan was the first journalist. And so uh, Jesus, Jesus showed us how to deal, deal with that kind of peeps. God bless you, boys. Have a great night.